Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good morning or afternoon, whenever you're watching or listening to this show. I'm glad you're not watching. One of the great blessings of a radio show is you don't have to comb your hair. You don't have to get out of your pajamas. You can just uh, get on the phone and make the call. And we hope Linda's going to be joining us shortly. Those of you who listened last week know that Linda is in London, where she's attending, and I do mean attending, the birth and first few days of our newest grandson's life. And I think I'm free to announce the name of this beautiful little boy who I've spent so much time looking at on FaceTime and on Skype the last few days. So get ready for this one. His name is Moses Thames Iyer Wright. That's a handle right there. Thames, of course, is the River Thames, and it's spelled the same way. And the reason for that is that the hospital where he entered the world is right on the Thames, right across the street from Big Ben and the House of Parliament. In fact, the first picture I saw of this little guy was in the arms of his mother, who's our baby, Charity, our youngest daughter. And in the background behind them was the beautiful Thames River and Big Ben in Parliament. So this is a royal little boy, or a British little boy. And it's a good thing, because his father's name's Ian, although Ian uh, is not British. Ian's from Texas, of all things. There aren't many babies in Texas that get named Ian, speaking of names, and uh, Charity and Ian did a lot of thinking about what to name this little guy, but I don't know if your kids do this or if you do this, but they had the name in mind, but they had to wait to see his little face before they could make sure that that really was the name, depending on whether he looked like what they thought the name should look like. Anyway, bottom line is, technologically speaking, we're a little challenged, but uh, we've got a great producer at BYU Radio who's working to get Linda onto this call through Skype. So hopefully she'll join us in a little while, but in the meantime... I'll hold forth, and uh, the this, this subject matter for this week, the title of today's show, for those of you who take a look at BYU Radio's website, the title is The Joy of a New Baby. And this will be more like reminiscing for most of you, because uh, if you have a baby or if you've had a baby, you know there is really nothing that can quite compare and uh, to see a little new spirit enter the world and begin to grow and begin to, you know, take on uh, various characteristics, what a joy. Some of you may be saying, well, <laughs> it's not all roses. I mean, uh, it's always unexpected things always happen. It's always um, less than exactly perfect all the time and some babies are colicky and some have a really hard time nursing and some have all kinds of different issues but all in all can you imagine anything more sort of wonderful than uh, 
welcoming a new spirit into the world. Now, let me let me be a little. I was going to say, let me be a little uh, spiritual. I, I guess that's the right word. Um, maybe maybe even a little denominational here for a minute and share an observation I've made over the years. Um, in our theology, and everyone knows that Linda and I are LDS, and uh, a lot a lot of you listeners are as well, but there are some certainly who are not. And I want to make a comment uh, about the birth of new babies that relates to a doctrine that we have in our church. And I want to tell you a little something that, that makes me think that this belief goes beyond those who happen to belong to our denomination or our church. And that is that we believe that uh, there is not only a one-way eternity. We believe there's a two-way eternity. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. I have never encountered a church, certainly not a Christian church, that doesn't contemplate a life after death. And it's it's uh, it's contemplated in different ways, and there are little shades of difference in the meaning and doctrine of what happens after this life. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, wrote a book called The Great Divorce, which really deals a lot with uh, what his conception is of a kind of a self-judgment and people who are not assigned to, to heaven or to hell, but who can actually move freely between the various locations in, in the world on the other side. And what makes his book so interesting is that uh, people who are in hell or who are in a place that he represents as hell, it's kind of a dirty London street with a lot of squalor and a lot of uh, bars and a lot of prostitution and a lot of low-life sort of characters living there. But every morning, a bus pulls up, and those who want can jump on the bus for free and, and ride on up to heaven, and a lot of them do. But when they get there, they don't like it. They say, gee, there's a bunch of fancy hypocrites up there who think they're better than I am, and the place is too perfect, and I'm just more comfortable down here where, where I am, and so they go back implying, of course, that it's all about a self-judgment. But anyway, my point is, almost every church, that I, every church, period, that I know of contemplates a life after death. Uh, the only church that I know of that has a second direction, uh, a forever backwards within its theology, a pre-mortal life, a place we lived before we came to this earth, is the LDS Church. And, of course, what we believe is that all of us, including these new little babies we welcome into the world, did not flare into existence at the moment of conception or the moment of birth, but have always lived as spirits in a place that we call a pre-mortal existence and await their turn to come into mortality, which is designed by God as a place for growth and for the exercise of agency, and as a place where we, even though we're eternal spirits, for the first time have the opportunity to become parents ourselves. And we view that as being the most godlike of all roles to play, because before this mortal life, before this world, the only person who had the title of parent 
or father or mother what was God. And, of course, we contemplate a mother in heaven as well. And so coming to this world allows us not only to be tested, not only to have agency, but to actually have families of our own. And that's a pretty exciting kind of a thing to contemplate. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up, other than we're going to be talking about babies on the show today, and there's just a lot to say when you weave it into that paradigm or that belief structure, but I wanted to also mention that I have I have met countless people who do not share our faith and, and my particular uh, set of beliefs in terms of a restored gospel, but who nonetheless are convinced in their own mind, whether their church theology teaches it or not, or whether they even have a church or a theology, they're convinced that these babies didn't begin at the moment that they're conceived or born. And the the evidence of that, and a lot of the people I've talked to who see it not as a spiritual belief, but as an observation they've made, and uh, their, their reasoning is, this personality is so intact, this little child is so much who he is. I mean, it, it can't all be heredity. It can't all be environment. There has to be a third factor that makes this child who he is and that makes this child so different from another child that I may have, which has the same genetics, the same environment, and yet is completely different. Don't you think that uh, for in parenting, one of the most frightening moments, frankly, is when we have a second child and we thought, you know, we thought we figured it out. We've had a baby now. We're experienced parents. The second one will be easy and then along comes number two. Nothing is the same. Nothing that worked on the first one works on the second one. A whole different personality, a whole different uh, character in this little child. And so a lot of people I've run into and had this discussion with say, well, I don't have a a spiritual belief or I don't have a church that teaches this, but I really believe these babies come from somewhere. They existed somewhere before. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, do some of them perceive it as reincarnation? And it's true that some do. There are a lot of people on this planet, as we all know, we we usually think of them as Hindus, but there there are others who who are not particularly religious who believe in reincarnation. The idea that, yeah, this baby did live before he came here, but he or she was part of another gender or another uh, another species, perhaps, or was another person. Now, of course, our belief, and I think the belief most people who I've talked to in our church are not don't see it as reincarnation. They see it as this is a little being, a little entity, a little spirit, a little soul who did not originate here. Some people like to quote the the gorgeous Wordsworth poem, uh, a portion of, of, of the poem called Ode to Immortality, which says, Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. It would be hard to phrase 
anything more beautiful more beautifully than that the idea that uh, that I'm talking about here that people have the sense that these little spirits didn't start with you they came from somewhere else but now what a change for them going into an existence where they are a helpless infant where they're entirely dependent on you as their parents to take care of them to protect them to nurture them to teach them to to give them values to give them character to give them sustenance and and security what a what an awesome stewardship what an awesome responsibility we have for these little babies so i wanted to start the show while we're waiting to see if linda's going to be on in the second half from london with sort of that sort of perspective because i think and i've talked to countless moms particularly who say something very similar they say when i first held that baby in my arms when i first had that little infant put on my stomach right after being delivered through my birth canal i had a feeling that this was a a, a spirit that had come from another place and some even say i had the feeling this was an older spirit than myself what a beautiful thing to contemplate so we'll take a brief break I'll be as excited as you to come back on after the break and see if Linda has joined us. If she has, we'll get some first-hand insight into how wonderful it is to be there for a birth. If not, we'll continue our discussion of the joy of new babies. We'll be back in a minute. Ayers on the Road. Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hey, I'm here. I'm told. Oh, I think I hear you, honey. Are, are you there? Yeah, we're all the way over here in London. I can feel well, some feedback. So you're a little I, scratchy coming through. I can only hear some of the words, but you talk for a while, and then I'll, since I can read your mind, I'll tell people what you said. Oh, that's not. Oh, work very well. Um, so I can't remember what you do when you can hear yourself. What do you do? You don't do anything. You just keep on talking. All right. We are so excited to be here. You missed the best part of that um, quote, though, Richard. Wordsworth said after the where you ended, heaven lies about us in our infancy which is what we're experiencing here with this gorgeous baby he's so sweet and wow bringing a baby into the world there's absolutely nothing like it um can you hear me now okay i'm hearing you perfectly and i'm missing you even more because i hear your voice and what about the new mom is she there with you she is but she's in the other room feeding the baby but i have the dad here with me and he is ready to tell you what it feels like to be a new dad for the first time. Here's Ian Wright. Let's hear it, Ian. Oh, it's the greatest feeling. You know, you, you, I feel like you talk to so many people and they say what it will feel like when you, you first see your own child. And they say, oh, it's going to be different. And I just feel like they're right. <laughs> after After seeing so many kids and... So many nieces, nephews, cousins, different babies. It's just a completely different feeling when it's actually your kid that you're now looking at and thinking, somehow 
we with God created that. That just, my mind's still having a hard time getting wrapped around that. It yeah. really has been so fun to be here watching these parents. Honestly, they are so, they were so ready for starters. And then even though the delivery didn't work out just like they thought it was going to, in fact, quite differently than they thought it was going to, um, they just handled it with great um, aplomb. They were calm. Everything was great. And this baby emerged into the world in a hurry. Um, in fact, I just have to say that uh, they really thought that Charity was not going to deliver the baby in time, so they were going to have to do a C-section. And I just mentioned to the crew that was wheeling her out that I usually go from 4 to 10, and that won't mean much to those of you who haven't had babies, but very fast at the end. And um, they just kind of raised their eyebrows like, it's not going to happen, and they wheeled her into... Uh, the operating room, and by darn, that little guy just decided he was coming without major surgery. So we are so grateful to have him here, and it's been so fun to watch these two with this sweet little boy. Ian That's actually awesome. is in charge you... of changing all the diapers. In fact, the mom oh, just said a few minutes ago, I've hardly changed a diaper. That's that's really good duty, Ian. And the name of the show today, and I, I kind of hobbled along through the first part giving some thoughts, but the joy of a new baby. So just just each of you as the Grammy and as the, the, the new dad, and maybe if, if Charity finishes nursing, we'll get her at the end of the show. But in your own words and in your own viewpoint and paradigm, how would you, and I know, I know this is not easy, how would you describe what that joy feels like? You go first, Oh, for me, for me, I'll, well, Ian's thinking here. There's nothing like it. As a mother, you make sounds that you didn't know you could make. You're just so overwhelmed with the joy of seeing this little person fresh from heaven. And then I really think that they, they talk to the angels for a few days. So that's what I've been doing watching those little rapid eye movements when they're kind of dreaming and there's nothing to dream about except where they came from. So they're talking to the angels and, and they smile and, and it, one of our grandbabies even laughed. I honestly believe they talk to the angels. It's so interesting. And well, you know, what do you think? You know, the, you know, the theory that the reason, the reason it takes babies about a year to learn how to talk is that that's about how long it takes them to, forget what they know from the other side and we're not supposed to know any of that stuff so you know the timing's pretty good they just forget it all just about the time they stop talking to the angels they start being able to talk to us that's right it's like a sleep and a forgetting it really is a way that they can forget that's why they sleep so much i'm convinced of that um and how about you i mean that was it was such a whirlwind of action there at the end when they weren't sure what they were going to, have to do they thought they were going to do a c-section and um you were just calmly saying you know we're just going to have to go ahead yeah i mean on the the joy question i think it's it's hard because the really the benchmark i feel like for me is now comparing their other joys to what is the joy of having the kid here and right. so previously i feel like it's like there's a new threshold and so it's hard to find words to describe it because usually you would grope for things that are already in your vernacular or experience. Right. But right. this is a new experience where I feel like 
new threshold, how can you really describe it with previous experiences you've had? Yeah, I think that's exactly uh, how a lot of dads and moms feel. I, but I, I do think the, there, there's a little element of the joy. And, and the, the neat thing is most people listening probably have experienced that joy. And, and I want to just add a couple of things. Number one, it doesn't diminish. I want to promise you this, Ian. You think, wow, the first one, I'll never reach that threshold again. But guess what? There's no diminishing returns. The second one, that same feeling of awe, that same feeling of power, and I think there's a little bit of relief mixed in with that feeling of joy. One element of the joy is you're just so relieved that, hey, the baby's here, the birth is over, uh, we've got him, he's actually made the greatest journey of eternity, he's completed the journey, here he is, and there's a, there's a feeling of wonderful relief, don't you think? No, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's 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 a combination of I, I I'm, I'm less worried than I actually thought I would be about things. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know if that's just because you meet this little spirit and you feel like, you know what, this guy's made it here and he's pretty resilient. So I feel like he's probably going to sort out a lot of stuff. And so even though you're worried about things here and there, there's less of kind of an overriding sense of worry than I thought there would be. And it's you know, more just I, I, the excitement sits in. Yeah, I'm glad. I love that you said that because I th- I've heard that from a lot of uh, a lot of parents, particularly dads. Interestingly, who who they sort of have it in their mind that this baby's going to be so incredibly fragile and so incredibly weak, and then they get the little person in their hands and they they have this just what you said this realization. This is a tough being this is a resilient child this baby is made for this world he can handle himself he can handle things and that's kind of a a lovely feeling because it's almost like the 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 worry dissipates a little bit and you can just enjoy the baby yeah and i have a surprise for you because uh charity's just come on and played tag team with uh linda a little bit (laughs) Hi. Oh, awesome. I think I heard little Moses a minute ago. Can you poke him one and make him cry a little? (laughs) (laughs) He's in the other room with his Grammy. Okay. Well, Charity, we're talking about the joy. Us dads, imagine the irony of this. Us dads, me and Ian, trying to talk about the joy of a new baby when it's actually you that should be talking. Well, the dads get a a good dose of joy, too. Yeah, I think so. How does it feel, though, to be a... This is like the hardest question because words are inadequate, but do your best. What's the feeling of a brand-new mom? Oh, man, that is hard to describe. But I think I've mostly just been amazed by how eclipsed the challenges are by the joy and happiness that you feel and... Just an in- incredible amount of love for this tiny little human. So it's yeah. definitely not without challenges, but they're just blown away by how much love and joy you feel. You know, I was talking earlier, I don't know if you heard the first half of the show, but I was talking about uh, a little about C.S. Lewis. And, and uh, one of his books, which is actually not about childbirth, it's about his meeting and and falling in love with his wife but it's called surprised by joy but i think that i think that term or that phrase is, is 
to me, it's it's totally appropriate because I think everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to be so happy when this baby gets here, and it's going to be wonderful to, you know, to have a baby and so on, and I know I'm going to feel a lot of joy. And then, don't you think they're just surprised by the joy? It's like, whoa! Uh, you know, it's like you said, Ian, you, you can't say, gee, this is better than summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. You can't say, this is sort of like... Uh, you know how I feel when I when I graduated from college. I mean, all those all those comparisons sort of fall victim to inadequacy. You know. Yeah, no, I'd agree. So go on, Charity. I know I know they don't want to hear any more from me. They want to hear from Mother and from <laughs> Grammy. And I don't know. Maybe you can even take uh, the the. Are you on a phone or a computer? We're on the phone, but Ian's going to tag team with Grammy so Grammy can come back in. <laughs> oh, okay. This, okay. All right. This Ian. is what I mean by there. There are definitely challenges, <laughs> but <laughs> the the joy supersedes it for sure. But there's a lot a lot to figure out with a new baby, so we're having to do a lot of tag teaming. <laughs> well, and and I don't think I'm I'm not flattering you here, Charity. I don't think it, there's I've never seen a mother better prepared. I mean, you. You spent so much time reading, you spent so much time thinking, you spent so much time preparing yourself emotionally for this first baby, but you, you can't really be prepared, can you? It's, it's, it, it, by definition, is a learn-as-you-go proposition. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, is that it is that surprise by joy thing, because it's just one of those things you can't really understand until you experience it yourself. And I've had a lot of exposure to people telling me about it just because I have eight older siblings, seven of which have kids, and I've been, you know, talking with you guys about families my whole life. So, but even then, and I, like you said, I did a lot of reading and preparation around childbirth, but even then, just nothing could prepare me for how, how much it changes you and how much joy it brings. You know, there's kind along of with the challenges. Joke. There's kind of that old joke about why don't babies come with an instruction manual, you know, and why why don't we get that training beforehand? And and we do the best we can, but the fact is, you can't. You know, it, it's like so different in reality than in theory that you just sort of have to be on the job training. Yeah, and kind of figure it out as you go. Hey, I bet a lot of listeners want to hear a little more about the name. I announced the name, but you want to say anything about how you came up with something so magnificent? Oh, well, naming a baby is funny because everybody has an opinion about it. And some people express their opinion and some people don't. (laughs) And some people (laughs) like your name and some people don't, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, we've been thinking a lot about Moses over the past few months. Moses of the Old Testament and um, have been reading about him and just thought that's a great namesake and a strong name and something that's unique but people know where it came from and so we've been excited to see if he looked like a Moses but the second I saw him that's what I thought. Well, It's been so fun here because you know the, the grandparents on the other side said they're older in their 80s, and they said, you are not naming that baby Moses. <laughs> and it takes a little while to get used to, but you know, what we learn as grandparents is we do get used to it, and everything's great. We love it. We love that name. But 
we should we, clarify that we're not talking about Ian's parents, but Ian's grandparents who are in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Ian's parents are really, really young. Hey, we're, we're out of time, <laughs> you guys, and uh, I want you to have the last word. So I'll just say we'll see you next time on Ours on the Road. You give a parting shot, and we're out of here. I'll just say we'll be back next week. I'll be back. Thanks for listening. Next week on Ours on the Road. <laughs>